1: Welcome to the business of the business podcast this is episode number seven i am jp john Paz from the two-man power trip of wrestling and of course i am joined by my co-host mr trump mania lavi margolin
0: lavi how you doing today sir i'm doing great and i'm so uh, excited to have our first guest on the business of the business podcast Yes, this
1: is gonna be a great one. This is some kind of late breaking news, so to speak. We got some great stuff lined up. We'll talk all about the business. But Lavi, first, intro in our guest. Who do we got coming on today?
0: Yes. So we have Matt Jones, who is a lawyer. He is a successful entrepreneur. Um Having overseen for many years a Kentucky sports radio network, and is also a new co-owner or investor in Ohio Valley Wrestling (OVW) wrestling, the long beloved uh, Louisville organization that's been around since 1993. Well, hello there. Uh, thank you all.
2: The only thing I uh, will say is I'm not a lawyer anymore. I got out of that racket. And so, uh, I was a lawyer for a long time, but I do um, I do sports in Kentucky. Uh, I've written a book about Mitch McConnell, which is what most wrestling promoters usually do, and uh, now try, trying to get into the the wrestling business. So it's
0: uh, we're, I'm very excited. Yes, and that book title I, I've written several books myself. I've never been that clever. That book title is great. Yeah, it's called Mitch Please
2: uh, with. Is, Which that's a good story that my Simon and Schuster, who is the publisher, they they wanted to name the book Teenage Mutant Senate Turtle. And I was like, I'm not calling a book. (laughs) Simon and Schuster said, well, you got to come up with another title and you have like 30 minutes. And so my co-author and I just talked and we were like, Mitch, please. And it ended up working
0: out see, and I'm not sure if you're going to be involved in the creative side at all with OVW, but that shows the sophistication, right? Like WWF during the struggling years, they would go with that like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing. But like when they were really on their game during the Attitude Era or maybe like peak uh, Hulk Hogan, they would, I mean, they might not have used a title like that, but but they would be more like on point with that. So that's a really good distinction.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the My view is if you have to explain the joke or if it's too many words, you lose. And so if you can make the brevity work, that's what we tried to do. But, you know, I live here in Louisville and Ohio Valley Wrestling um, was something when I when I finished law school, it was kind of at its peak of of popularity when it was partnered with uh, the WWE and getting a chance to sort of get involved. Now, I, I couldn't be more excited.
0: Yeah, uh, John, I, I don't know if you used to do this as well, but um, I used to order the tapes because, of course, at that time, at least, OVW um, didn't reach as far with its television right, didn't have an affiliate in New York, but um, you'd get a tape and it would have eight weeks worth of content and it'd be awesome. You'd see the prototype, of course, who's John Cena, um, you'd have uh, Batista, Randy Orton, And, um, you know, some of the local guys were great, too. And I'm surprised some of them uh, didn't break out more. But it's a really fun time for the promotion. It really was.
2: And coincidentally, when I moved to Louisville after law school, I lived in an apartment complex. And in that apartment complex were all the OVW wrestlers. They had rented it out. And I was literally in the same building with all of them. So I was in the building living there at the same time. uh, Randy Orton, CM Punk. Kelly Kelly was there, lived right across the hall from me. And at the time it was so weird because, you know, you didn't know these people were going to be stars at the time. And then you look back and go, wow, that was a very talented apartment complex that I was in for a while.
0: There was a great story that Tommy Dreamer had when he was... um just breaking onto television before ECW with IWCCW, which had some good exposure on Sports Channel America. And uh, he had a job as a pizza delivery guy. And he said once he was delivering a pizza and the guy was watching the wrestling show. And he said, that's you. And he said, no, it's not. He said, that's you. No, it's not. And he said I had to work really, really hard to convince him it wasn't me. (laughs) That's actually really, well, you know, it's weird
2: here in Louisville, you can actually get used to just seeing the wrestlers, uh, in their other jobs, and and that's, you know, that's that's kind of a unique thing to living here. But the organization, you know, Al Snow is is still, Al Snow has been re- basically booking and running it for the last three or four years. He's worked with the company for a long time, but he's kind of been the head uh, head talent of that for a while, and he does such an amazing job. And even just in the couple months we've been kind of around, just watching him has has educated me quite a bit. Uh, on the business on the other side. And he's been he's great. And now we just want to be able to give the company the resources and hopefully the marketing capability to bring it to another level
0: of success back to kind of where where it was at its peak. So that really speaks to one of the questions that I had, uh, which you've somewhat answered already in terms of Al Snow continuing to run the day-to-day. But sort of as an investor, as an owner, sometimes it's hard to resist kind of jumping in when you see something. So sort of, you know, is there sort of a, a plan in your mind that, you know, you kind of like review things at, at certain time periods or sort of when you're at a show, you know, as as opportunity allows afterwards, you speak to Al and talk, talk about what you guys think worked or didn't work or it'll sort of develop as it
2: goes? I think it'll develop as it goes. I mean, I, I don't have plans. I'm an entertainer. So I do a radio show every day. I used to host a television show. And so I, I, I'm i big on entertainment. But I also think it's very important when you manage a business, because I, I sort of have gone at this in two paths. I have the entertainment part where I'm the host and all that. And then I created the Kentucky Sports Radio website and business. And that was where we had a lot of success. And I think it's very important to understand the two different Facets, Right. So when it comes to entertainment, I, I have some knowledge base in that in general, but in terms of in wrestling, I'm not in the ballpark of what Al knows. And so I'm going to defer to Al in the short term completely and in the long t- term, probably 95 percent because he knows, you know, this is his life and, and it's not mine. Um, you know, we had a we had a our nightmare rumble on Saturday and And, you know, I was watching it and sitting there watching. I thought it was a great show. And there'd be one or two things that I would say, well, maybe I would have done this or that. But, you know, I also I think it's very important when you own a business to know what you don't know and to defer to the people that are experts. And Al is is the expert. And so I'm not going to be stupid enough to come in and say, all right, Al, you need to do this, that and the other. Um, The one thing I do have some knowledge about is how to reach the state of Kentucky, where, of course, we're based. And so I do think maybe some of that in terms yes, of trying, some of that trying to reach Kentucky specific things, I can be of a little help. But in general, I know enough to know that Al's the expert.
0: Say that to note, which I'm sure you already have already that. If it's not the most popular video that OVW has uploaded, it was the second, at least as of yesterday. So there are 16,000 views on YouTube, and I saw about 14,000 through how it was streamed on Twitter. So um, so it's already showing, uh, you know, a real good interest. Yeah, that was, you know, we. Decided to give it for free instead of sort of
2: selling a pay-per-view because the goal, the goal for me for this company for the next year is to get as many eyes on it as possible. I think you know there's I think people make mistakes when they try to take short-term uh, profit or short-term money for long-term exposure. I'm betting on the long-term exposure. I believe that if we can get the product with more and more people seeing it, that will be advantageous. And my hope is that that, you know, it is the second most popular video on our YouTube channel from the last year. My hope is that I come back and maybe come on your show in a year and we have five times that amount for when we do it next year. I think marketing is such a key part of this business and it's the thing that I don't think always, you know, Vince McMahon obviously was is brilliant at it, but I think a lot of folks look at it in a way that sort of isn't, the 2021 version of marketing and that's what I hope to be able to bring this to the table for some of the product because I do think that the product is in better shape than I thought it was even when we bought it as seen by I think if people watch that rumble I think they'll be very entertained
0: so um one uh, business distinction I just wanted to clarify or get a better sense of so I believe that at some point um OVW had announced sort of that it was under the umbrella of something called Gladiator Sports Network. And there was also a boxing promotion involved in that. And both promotions sort of promoted out of the same venue. Did you purchase Gladiator Sports Network or is that something separate?
2: Well, the comp- the, the my partners and I purchased Gladiator Sports Network uh, majority interest. We still have a couple of the folks we bought it from have minority interest in it. But yes, the Gladiator Sports Network. It, it, it has a lot of facets, but to be quite frank with you, the focus is going to be on the wrestling side and then the school, the uh, Al Snow Academy. I, the boxing side is part of it, but I don't think we have a lot of plans of doing much with that in the short term.
0: Great. So uh, taking a, a couple of steps back, you had mentioned you had moved to Louisville at, at, at some point. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the mountains of
2: Eastern Kentucky uh, in, in Bell County, which is I guess for people who aren't from the area, you might know it best, Cumberland Gap, which was where Daniel Boone crossed uh, into into this part of the the country. is That's where I went where from. And then I went to law school. I went to college at a school called Transylvania Law School at Duke. Uh, I was a lawyer for about five or six years and then started my website and radio show and then sort of stopped doing law and kind of got to this point.
0: So were you a wrestling fan growing up?
2: Uh, I was a huge re- – yeah, huge. I was – you know, when, when I was growing up, I was watching, like everybody, the WWF at the time. Uh, NWA, I, I didn't quite get – like I started when I was like 10, 11, so I ended up with WCW. There was still Smoky Mountain Wrestling on local TV down there, and I would watch that. But I was a big fan. And then if, I was in college during the Attitude Era, and I, I lived on a fraternity hall but every Monday night everybody got – in a room and watched it and it was you know that that was when it was at sort of its peak as you know and we it was i, I i'm sure this isn't the case in was watch wrestling and so i was a big part of it.
0: so um smoky mountain i i love uh, to hear about that was there any uh, particular angles that uh, that stood out to you or that you remember from the local tv no, I don't remember a ton from the local TV. I actually would
2: I would watch it solely to, to when it would come to the area. So it would come to Hazard, and I would go go to the shows. And I have very little memory of specific wrestlers at the time, but I do remember the fact what I was always fascinated with was the crowd. The crowd at those events was so sort of rabid. And the local crowd in the arena, even though these would be small venues – would be so worked up. I remember being fascinated with the ability of the wrestlers to control the emotions of the crowd. It's partially why I decided to do kind of what I did with radio, is I just think watching people control the crowd is fascinating. And, you know, even in OVW, these places that are small arenas, the way that wrestlers can sort of interact one-on-one with fans, I think is a really special thing. And I remember that as a kid, and then, of course, I I even enjoyed watching it when I was there on Saturday because I think that's a, still a really special part of the experience for promotions of this size.
0: Yeah, um, some of those SMW ter- um, crowds were sort of uh, – it, it kind of stood out really as different, certainly, of, of wrestling at the time. And sometimes I think they they pushed too much, right? You know, um, try and find that balance between, you know, entertainment and um, – and and safety and sometimes it seemed to to cross well, cross the threshold. Kentucky, the rules in Kentucky,
2: which is by the way one of the things we have to fix as part of this, is we need to change. The rules in Kentucky are very strict, actually. Now going back to when The Rock and Triple H at Judgment Day, what was that? Ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. Did an Iron Man match and a kid, and they went up in the crowd, and a kid got hurt. Um, ended up in a big lawsuit and Kentucky changed all of their laws about wrestling and it's really made it very difficult. I mean for a long time the WWE wouldn't even come back here because of it um, and that's just we're just starting to get it back to a, at a temperate balance but it was the, the rules in Kentucky changed quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I know that there was um, sort of a a longstanding rivalry with with sort of the original owners, uh, at least in in the press, of OVW with IWA Mid-South because that was a more hard or is still more of a hardcore promotion and they would go across the river, I think, to Indiana sort of to do what they wanted to do. and. OVW felt it didn't reflect well on them sort of what, what professional wrestling was. So it seemed like it was not only the major promotions, but you know, some of the um, grassroots um, promotions as well.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a different world over in Southern Indiana. Like you, you, everybody's on their own. I, yeah, I, that's not my kind of thing. Like I don't really need to go and get bled on, uh, which is I think kind of the Southern Indiana wrestling way. So Yeah, you're right. It's a different thing. I'm not as familiar with the background of the rivalry, but uh, I am familiar a little bit with some of the shows that occurred there pre-COVID, and that's really not. It's certainly not OVW's tradition, and it's not what we're interested in
0: doing. Right. So I'm on the same page with you on that. So as an entrepreneur, um, obviously you've had a good deal of success, um, and. You enjoy wrestling, but sort of why was wrestling and OVW specifically the right investment now?
2: Well, a couple of things. First of all, I think I love the state of Kentucky and I think anything that, that that we can do that that has a positive impact on the state I like. And we have a couple of advantages here I think are really important. The biggest one is the, is the academy. You know, OVW's history is a developmental territory it's really unparalleled anywhere in the country, and I think Al Snow is, if not the best, one of the best uh, teachers in the country. And so you have here an academy that is, uh, you know, has produced all of this talent. You've got maybe the best teaching mind in the country. There's no reason this this academy shouldn't be the top place in America to learn to wrestle, and it needs basically a business structure change, that's what it needs. Everything else is in place. And when we saw that and we saw that, hey, with a little investment and a little sort of organization, this can be, we can make Louisville, Kentucky, the number one place to come to learn to be a wrestler again. And we also have, we are licensed by the state of Kentucky as a trade school. And the reason that will be important is beginning this summer people will be eligible for for federal loans because of the state uh, licensing there. So all of a sudden you have this ability to come and learn, to get an educational background in the business, not just wrestling, but how to be a wrestler, how to make money in this, how to do the production to basically learn it as a trade. And there are really no other schools in the country that do it like that. And, I think people who come to the academy will not only learn to be a wrestler, but will learn to be in the wrestling business. And that really intrigued me. Then when you add the fact that this is a school that has for its students, the ability to be on television, to be on a televised product, and our ability through my sort of network of of radio and television and web to market these folks, it just feels like a synergy that will work. And, you know, I do my radio networks on 50 locations across the state. And my plan is to take the show as I travel around the state. I've done at least one show in all 120 counties in the state. And my plan is to take the organization with me when we when we do, when we go places and to bring it around the state. So I just think it all works together to make what can be a very successful business.
0: Great. So... Um, like you were saying with your success in, in distributing radio, as you've noticed, um, listening to some of our shows, I'm definitely a syndication or distribution geek. Um, so. I know ovw is you know especially for promotion of its size up to this point it's fairly well distributed you have local television on wbna 21 you're on youtube america um game plus network and other digital platforms as well but um in the way that you've distributed um your radio programming do you think that there's a similar opportunity uh with television
2: yes i mean my you know we have a very good partner here in Louisville with WBNA and has been for a long time, but I, I there's no reason this should that, that uh, OVW shouldn't be on in every major television outlet in Kentucky, and I think, in my opinion, I see Indiana from Indianapolis south, uh, Ohio from Columbus south, West Virginia, East Tennessee to Knoxville, and all of Kentucky. As being a market that there is no reason we can't in the next couple of years be on in all of those places. I think we hope to be able to announce some more local TV deals in Kentucky soon. The good thing about my radio and television background is I have relationships with these TV channels in all of these places. Um, and then nationally, you know. We, we do have exposure on a lot of different platforms, but to be quite frank with you, I want to get it to more easily accessible platforms. Um, You know, I host a weekly radio show nationally on ESPN radio. Um, I plan on using that to talk about this at various points, but I think there will be an opportunity to get better television exposure. We have to do some things in the, in the interim. We got to amp up production quality. Um, We need to, probably expand our roster a little bit. And we plan on doing all those things as well. But, uh, you know, I, we have, I've got big dreams for this and I think there is a path to it. And I think we're looking forward to trying to, to start moving in that direction.
0: So without talking about any of the specific Specifics of the deals that you do have in terms of the television landscape with wrestling, um, one of the promotions that's done well at, at getting out there is championship wrestling from Hollywood. Um, they've mm-hmm. gotten on in some major markets on um, broadcast television by um, having the program be ultra local. Um, having it be uh, Houston Wrestling presents or Memphis Wrestling presents. What do you feel would be sort of the best paths to distribution? Would it be um, branding it even at a more granular level or um, uh, co-promotions? How how would that work best? I think that you know I, there
2: there are, I'm glad I, I like how you put that because there are two paths to success that I think I want to run parallel on. One is I is, is I think it's very important to make this large in Kentucky. I want to get the casual fan in Kentucky. And my hope is through use of all the media outlets and exposure that I that I have to make it to where every single person in Kentucky that has any interest at all in wrestling knows about OVW and is able to watch it. And I think we can do that in the very short term. And then parallel to that is the national exposure, and I think the key is to give enough for folks in the local audience to feel a connection. Have the you know the occasional Kentucky storyline. We've talked about potentially uh, creating a Kentucky heavyweight champion belt to sort of go along those lines, while also doing things to sort of expand the reach regionally and nationally. And you know, I, I think. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think you can do both. I think it, it requires being creative. But I think the main thing is, it is our number one goal to get as many eyes on the product as possible. We, you know, I'll give you an example. I mean, I just found out, at, <laughs> I didn't even know about this until after we we, we bought them majority interest, that our shows are on Amazon Prime. And I said, how in the world, you know, we talk about all this exposure, all these various networks. How are we not promoting that we're on Amazon Prime? I mean, that's amazing. And those are the kind of things when you're on Amazon Prime, that's everyone has access to that. So that that's those are the kind of deals that I think are very important, because if I can tell people, look, if you get on Amazon Prime, you can watch our shows. That is as important as any outlet you could possibly be on. And that's going to be kind of but it was it was it was actually a, a deal that I don't think people even in the company knew they had totally. So that's what we have to to have to continue to promote and expand.
0: So one of the um, articles uh, and there were several, of course, locally and um, nationally, especially at the wrestling press. But locally, um, one of the articles was especially informative and um It talked about a potential change of venue um, moving out of the Davis Arena. Sort of what do you imagine being the ideal venue at this point for OVW? Well,
2: I mean, the Davis Arena is is a little small for what we want to do. I mean, it's 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 not so much small and it's it, it holds about 400, 450 people, which I actually think is a good size but just there's not much backstage area. There's not as much area as I would like for the training, for the school, for a classroom. So we're just looking at a building that's maybe in a better location. The Davis Arena is in kind of a industrial area and a lot of the zoning restrictions don't allow us to put signs and things that would be very good up. So we're looking for maybe a a more well-trafficked area to, uh, to go and and the pro I and mean, this isn't good for the economy but it's also a fact because of the sort of decline in the last decade for commercial real estate especially retail and then how it's really been devastated in the last year there are a lot of you know former grocery stores or department stores or things that are open and available and we think if we can find the right one we can sort of create, the atmosphere we want in a place that's a little better size than where we are now.
0: Cool. So post COVID, of course, um, live events has sort of seemed to be more off the radar for some of the bigger promotions. And that's what's what it's expected to be sort of going forward. Do you think that there is still the opportunity to do regular touring, potentially a loop for the promotion?
2: Yes. Definitely. I mean, I think the fact that WWE especially has backed off a lot of the the, the touring is a huge opportunity. I mean, that you know, most people that are wrestling fans, at some point, a big part of their fandom was going to a show live. And what I have found is, so for guys like us that love wrestling, the TV product keeps our attention when it's good. But there's a whole huge segment of people that aren't going to watch it every week but that occasionally would like to go because it's fun, right? It's a fun experience. And that's my goal. I mean, so I do a daily University of Kentucky sports show, but I always say my, my core audience is not the hardcore fans that live and die with every Kentucky basketball play. What I'm doing is trying to get the fans who like it but aren't obsessed with it and just want something to listen to that's entertaining. I feel the same way about wrestling. I mean, I think too much, this is just my opinion and I could be wrong, but I think a lot of independent and smaller promotions, they are hyper-targeted at the wrestling fanatic. And some of them have had a lot of success at that, so I'm not downgrading it. It's wrestling fanatic. It's the same people jumping from organization to organization to watch them all because they're obsessed. And I think they they, they target their product to that. Well, that's not what I'm going to do in Kentucky we want to target it to the general fan and say especially on the touring side and say look you may not follow wrestling on a day-to-day basis but when we come to your town i guarantee you you're going to have a fun experience and i think that is and 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 you couldn't do that everywhere but i think you can do it in kentucky because it's such a strong wrestling area and you can do it with a marketing platform like ours because i can with one tweet have 250,000 Kentuckians see it and go, you know what, I'll give that a chance.
0: In your uh, growth plan, plan, do you see it one day that there would be um, a handful of talents that could make um, OVW their main promotion and their main form of living?
2: Yes, if that's If we do what we want, I hope that can happen very soon, to be honest with you. I mean, again, a lot of it's gonna depend on the Academy. I mean, the Academy I think is, the success of the Academy is very important to provide the economic base to be able to build the promotion. Those two things have to work hand in hand. A lot of my ideas about the, the promotion will not be doable in the short term without success from the Academy. But if you can make that happen, then yes, I, I my, our goal would be to have a situation where a core group of, of the performers are able to be OVW-centric or, you know, I, I don't know how many if you'd be able to make exclusive, but who knows? I mean, I, I think that is – and the, the other reason that's possible is there are a lot of wrestlers that live within – a great thing about Louisville is you are six hours away from – St. Louis, Indianapolis, Chicago, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland, Knoxville, Memphis, Nashville, a lot of cities are just a six-hour drive away. It's very centrally located. And if you think about how many potential wrestlers are in that circle, you can get to a lot. Even all the way up to Detroit. Detroit is six hours away. I mean, there's, there's a way to really get a lot of people.
0: So um, some relationships um, have been established uh, across the country or different promotions and even internationally. Um, I've noted Rocky Mountain Pro and Devotion Championship, and hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, Cutter Pro um, in the Middle East. Um, Have you had a chance to look at those structures and relationships and do you think they'll continue as is or or be modified?
2: I, I think we will certainly continue as many of them as makes sense. I have not sort of been able to dive deep into those. I think the goal long-term would be able to have um, consistent uh, relationships with the places, especially any that are outside of America or some of the ones like Rocky mountain that you mentioned, but I of the things I've dealt with. That's not one of them yet, but that I think that can be part of a larger plan, but it won't matter unless we get the Kentucky stuff situated, you know, you can have a lot of partnerships, but if the core isn't solid, it won't help a lot. But I do think those will—I uh, do think those will—will will be long-term positive positive relationships.
0: Great. So I think um, my timing might be off, but it was probably around ten years ago. I feel that um, the OVW ownership sold the video rights up to that point or to a certain time period to wwe as it featured you know a lot of their stars uh, at that point or even now but i'd imagine that you own a good 10 years of content or thereabouts is there a plan to monetize that yes i don't know i mean our
2: hope is within the next six months we have a uh an app streaming platform. We have one now, but we have one that is, is of a higher quality. That's the goal. That's one of our initial uh, investments. And then at that point, I think a lot of the old content will become part of it. You know, I wish that I, I wasn't here, but I sure would like to have the really old content. I actually was watching last night on WWE network, a match between Lesnar and Batista from 2003. And they're in the, the Davis arena here. And like, you look at the crowd and they have no idea what they're watching in terms of what these guys are going to end up becoming. Um, I'd love to, to have access to that. We don't, but the, but what we do, I, I think that will be something that happens where we eventually have sort of permanent access to a library that goes, I think it goes back about eight and a half
0: years. Great. Um, so the final question from me, um, would your plan be to become a national brand like uh, an impact or roh or in its own way or would you want to partner with a brand like that for further training or development
2: i think both of those are kind of possibilities i mean i you know I, i'm not I, I think i want once we get i mean in terms of teaching the academy is already doing that and doing a good job once we get the business where i would like it to be for that and we get the platform in Kentucky the way i would like it then i think we see i mean there might be a situation where uh, a partnership makes sense there might be a situation where we continue to expand but i i think the sky is the limit you know i i listened to your all's very first episode and you were talking about sort of the landscape of wrestling and you did tears and i thought your tears were very good because you said you know you have WWE, AEW, then you have a tier that has Ring of Honor, Impact, Championship Wrestling, Major League Wrestling. And then that next one, you kind of put OVW. And I think that's correct. I mean, I don't think OVW is on the tier with those Impact, et cetera. And I don't really think it's necessarily on a tier below that with a lot of other places. And so I think the question of do you become Ring of Honor Impact level or do you sort of keep your unique level and work with them, sort of depends on how things develop over the next year. So I'd say we were open to either of those, whichever sort of, depending on how things develop. Um, but, But I do believe that with what, we have an opportunity here that is very unique, and I don't think is sort of replicated anywhere else. And so our path will probably be a unique one, whatever it is we decide to do.
0: No, thank you. I think um, I think OVW is really uniquely positioned because of its legacy name. Whenever there's news, you know it's it's widely covered. You know, as as we saw even with the uh, new investments, such as yourself and and the whole um, team, but also um, just because of the market um, with a promotion starting in 1993 and USWA um, discontinuing promotion in 1997, there was really no gap, um, between the end of the territories and OVW starting. It's sort of been, um, something continuous that's, that's been on the radar and things never went away in, in some ways and, and had to be revised is sort of, it, it kind of got off the radar a little bit at times, so or it was more on the radar and, and had different, um, peaks and valleys, but, um, it's n- not something that ever went away and people are really aware of it. Yeah, and I want to say to people listening, the product.
2: So, the product before Al, to be quite frank with you, had slipped a little bit. If you were if you were watching four years ago or something, it had slipped a little bit. I think everybody would be honest. The product now is at a very high level. I mean, Al has done an amazing job, and I think if people watch it, like if you were to go and watch the Rumble we did. And watch the Rumble match. I think people, no matter what level of wrestling fan you are, you would be entertained. And that is Al, that is that is all Al Snow. He has done all that. And he has made it to where he has given us the base to be able to build. I don't know that this could have worked four years ago if we had invested, what our goals are. But Al has made it to where it can. And that's what I think gives us the base to try to kind of go where we want.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, John? I was
1: just kind of curious with OVW and where it was as far as a WWE developmental league. You know how NXT right now has has said that they're going to do NXT Junior, so to speak. It was going to be an, an, an NXT for NXT. So they were going to have. You know, guys that weren't quite ready for TV, they're going to get them ready for TV and then they're going to bring them on up. Would you ever consider working with WB or NXT or, or NXT, quote unquote NXT light um, as far as like helping them get the guys ready and maybe use you guys as a feeder again? I don't think we would say no to any of those
2: conversations. Of course. I mean, look, the, the, there is a art. We believe that this is the best place to, to learn, to develop wrestlers from the ground up. And I think whether it's NXT or whether it's one of these other organizations, I, I, I think this they could not find a better opportunity. Where else are you going to find an opportunity where you can get the training that Al gives in a place that wrestling is as big as it is in Kentucky? And you can get them early television exposure to an audience, especially a, a social media audience, that is very engaged. That combination, there's nowhere else in the country for that com- combination. So whether it was, you know, WWE, AEW, or any of the other places, if that is something they were interested in, I don't know that they could find a better resource than than us. And I know, you know, if that was possible, we would love to to consider it.
1: Would you ever consider buying back some of the library? Because technically, you know, WB owns the you know the Lesnar stuff and the Orton stuff. Would you ever consider buying that back, if possible, if it was uh, for sale?
2: I would love to. Of course, the devil's in the details of how much something like that would right. cost.
1: Right.
2: Um, yeah, I think that was sold at a time that finances were a real issue um, for the company, and I understand why it was done. But listen, if I if I could snap my fingers and have the whole Library, I think that would be a huge resource to be able to get a foothold with a fan and say, look, you just, you know, they could sample our product while seeing the product from back in the day. And, and, you know, WWE doesn't use a lot of it on the network. They only have like seven or eight of our old matches on it. So I love that. You know, do I think it's going to happen? I have no idea. But I but if that was if I could snap my fingers and make it happen, I sure would want to.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, man, it was technically yours cuz OVW, but they own it, so I'm sure they would charge a pretty penny uh to get well, it back, I'm sure. To
2: be honest with you, I like I, I get it. They 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 paid for it, it's theirs. I understand. Even if they could loan it to us for temporary use, sweet love, but uh but listen, I, I you know, that's business and and we bought the company as is and and we'll we'll make it work with what we have.
1: I think it's great that you listen to our show. I love that. That was so cool to kind of find out that you're a, you know, somewhat of a, of a fan of us and listen to us. So I thought that was awesome.
2: Well, I mean, when I, when, when we got into this, the, the, the co-owner with me is a, a guy named Craig Greenberg, and
1: he started the
2: 21C Hotels, um, which is a very successful hotel chain that they later sold. And we're both wrestling fans, and being a wrestling fan is very important in being in the business, but I didn't buy this to just be, I didn't buy into this, just be a fanboy, right? Like, I mean, the goal here is to be, have a successful business. And I said to Al, look, I want to make this to where, you know, Al considers this his legacy and I want his legacy to be like making this hugely successful. So you have to look at it from a business perspective. And so I, I know there were all these wrestling podcasts. I mean, I listened to a bunch of them where you look back on the times, et cetera. But very few people talk about the business. So when I saw that your podcast existed, I listened to the first episode, and you literally gave us the parameters to start studying these organizations. I mean, I've done a tremendous... It's like I'm back in law school for the bar exam. I've done a tremendous amount of study of all these organizations. Like I've watched every recent Ring of Honor, uh, pay-per-view, Impact. I mean, I've done them all, including... You know, New Japan and and also organizations that people would seem like they're smaller than us. I've watched them because I want to see what the world is. And you guys really helped us sort of categorize that world with your first episode. So I'm indebted to you all. And when you wrote me, I told Craig, I was like, hey, you know, that podcast we listen to, they want us on. So we were excited.
1: That is great. Very, very cool. I'm glad that we can be uh, of, of assistance uh, for sure, and kind of lay out the landscape and lay out the the lay of the land for you guys to make it easier. I'm just wondering with OVW and everything you want to do and everywhere like you want to be, is it possible? You know, you get away from your other you know daily duties and stuff and stay strictly in wrestling, or that'll never happen.
2: My my world is weird. I mean, I'm doing this show with you all. I'm on. Uh, real time with Bill Maher on HBO Friday night to talk about my Mitch McConnell book. So, uh, you know, I kind of jump into a lot of various uh, waters, so I probably won't stop that, but I will say, I think for the next six months or so, I'm very. I, I, I'm, this is my primary. I mean, I do my radio show in the morning, but I spend most every afternoon and early evening working on this stuff. And I, I, I don't see any reason that won't continue. It's what it needs. You know, the, the business needs focus, and that's what we're doing.
1: Awesome. Now, please give us all your kind of plugs, whether it be social media, your show, uh, Bill Maher, everything you got going on.
2: Well, watch Bill Maher. I don't know when this comes out, but if it comes out before this Friday, watch Bill Maher. But really, my plug is – the plug I'm most important about here is is on the wrestling side. OV Wrestling.com is the website. We'd love for you to check out the Nightmare Rumble that was last Saturday. Um, OV Wrestling, uh, the Twitter account. Um, I wish I could say OVW Wrestling because it's weird to say OV Wrestling, but that's the account. And then my personal account's at KY Sports Radio. The rest of it, if you uh, are, if you're a book reader, Mitch, please. Um, is about Mitch McConnell and, and his effect on Kentucky. And so if that's your kind of thing, that's out there available for purchase from Simon & Schuster, too.
1: Very, very nice, Matt. Thank you so much for all the time today. We appreciate it, and good luck with OVW. Thank you, and I hope you guys will come to town sometime and watch. All right, and we are back here. Great interview with Matt Jones. Great stuff, Lavi. Where do you want to head from here? I feel like we got a bunch of kind of topics to cover. I know OVW and its new investors was just covered by Matt, being that he's one of them. But you know, we got the rise of AVOD and free streaming platforms, uh, leading to higher rights deals for the big pro wrestling places. Got New Japan, MLW talking TV deals. We got some networks considering wrestling shows which networks, which shows we welcome Christine Labrano, WWE's new senior VP of creative writing services to the WWE world. And of course, new Japan comes to India. Was it already there? And of course we talked about OVW already. So where do
0: you want to go? Where where were you headed next? So my brain is focused on news that broke um, just this morning as we're filming or or taping um, Michelle Wilson and George Barrios formed a company. Whoa. So they announced it this morning. I've been, I don't know if it's called like, um, I don't think it's internet stalking, right? If you follow them on LinkedIn, I just want to be updated on their information. (laughs) But I've been very curious because I wanted to know where each one of them would land. So I followed them on LinkedIn and I want to hear the business news. So they are not separate. Again, they formed a company together. It's called Isos Capital Management, and they are going to be looking into investment opportunities in the media and the sports world.
1: That is great. Is that a uh, dangerous combination, those two together? Obviously, had uh, a lot of success and a lot of money
0: made for the WWE. Is that a great team up? So I don't know if they're going to be looking into other things that sort of combine it like WWE, but sort of they'll be able to raise capital, I guess, from whatever investors or contacts that they have. And they'll be looking for opportunities to put their money into sports or media. Obviously they have a lot of institutional knowledge of things like um, video on demand, streaming platforms. They're both very passionate about those. So that's where I imagine they would be. But I don't think this would happen, but can you imagine how much knowledge they have of the modern WWE if they wanted to invest in something like AEW and become active partners?
1: Interesting. I wonder what they're uh, what they're kind of up to, and what ISO Capital Management is, is going to be doing.
0: Yeah, so, and it was announced um, nearly to a year, I believe, since they both left. So I'm wondering if there was like a year, like non compete or waiting period, where they would get their bonuses or monies um, it's probably publicly available to know that if that was the case but i just found the timing you know very interesting and uh, you know i'm curious if they both want to sort of move away from wrestling or you know there might be certain areas where it crosses over and, and they compete
1: that's the thing it's like man sometimes you let guys go and you don't think it's going to bite you in, in the ass but let's just say you know you you know, the obvious ones, you know, you let Hogan go, he bites you in the ass. You let Savage go, bites you in the asshole. And ass. I mean, there's certain people you kind of let go or, for various different reasons. But for Barrios and Wilson, I was like, oh, I guess they'll probably go into some other field and, you know, make money. Could be, you know, EA Sports or you know wherever they end up. But, wow, this could, could be a kind of thing where it's maybe going to end up biting them in the ass. I didn't think it would, but maybe it could with those two.
0: So I'm going to read from a portion of the press release. The ISOs co-founders plan to invest in businesses that fit their thesis of mega trends, shaping the industry and provide value creation through brand growth, digital transformation and globalization. Isos will target early, growth, and late-stage media, entertainment, and sports companies and will consider a variety of investment vehicles. You know what that makes me think about? And again, this is speculation, just as we were doing the M&A last week. If they believe so much in the WWE brand and its potential to grow, they could probably get together a team of investors and make a private bid. Oh, Wow.
1: That would be something else. That would be a uh, game changing. But uh, yeah, I could uh, I could see that actually. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: They'd be like, uh, "Sure, Vince, the family will be fine." And then the first week on the job, Stephanie, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not working out. Yeah, <laughs> so it'll be a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> Man, I, that's a, a, a shocker just just as far as like those two are still working together. I mean, I guess they had a good relationship from working at WWE. You know, all another thing is usually when those corporate types kind of end up working together and then they break off or leave the company for whatever reason, you don't usually hear a lot of them like, oh, hey, you know, uh, whoever is working with whoever, like this person is, you know, was like the, you know, the VP of marketing or something. Oh, yeah. And they're teaming up with this person, whatever. It just to me was like, wow, those two are actually a tag team like didn't think that they had that kind of relationship don't know them or anything but that's just uh, one of those things where it's like they must have seen a lot of value in each other
0: yeah i can imagine like you know having to deal with the stress of of what we publicly know like vince's portrayal to be and like have to like manage all like the we call it the mishugas the craziness so like you know it bonds you with people so uh You know, they were able to be there successfully for so long that you really develop, you should develop a good relationship or you can't stand each other.
1: Yes. Yep. A good call. Uh, That is for sure. Now, where did you kind of want to, what did you want to touch on next? I know we had like a couple really good topics, got uh, some meat on the bone. What would you want to focus on next?
0: So, something that really surprised me, of course, like the AVOD, the streaming services, I was kind of like, okay, you know, Pluto. Um, you know, Plex, IMDB, whatever, like people are downloading it, a lot of people are downloading it and they have some ads, but like, is it really like anything? And there was this amazing quote in a Variety article that said, um, Fox Corporate Chief Financial Officer Steve Tomsick said he expected the revenues of Tubi. Which the company acquired in March to surpass those of the Fox Network in the next two to three years. So wow. my mind was blown on that because I've looked at Tubi and eh, it's okay, but like mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it's not that engaging for me yet. Maybe I have to like search a little bit more. But if it's growing so fast, and there's um, you know bidding rights, could we see different divisions either taking the lead? or bidding amongst themselves for the rights for something like WWE or AW and driving up the price. We had often thought about Fang, like um, if Amazon, um, who does some sports streaming rights, especially in Europe, they've toyed with it a little bit. Or people would say like um, YouTube with like Google's owner Alphabet, um, if they would get into sports streaming rights. But they kind of, you know. They've had a toe in the water, but they haven't been all in. But now these streaming services, m- the most successful ones are owned by big corporations that do own networks or, or cable conglomerates or brands. But now these could be players in their own right. And that could really drive up the revenue. And that could really increase you know, the price for bidding and being distributed in a whole different way.
1: The thing is with Tubi is, I don't know, when I watch it's not like, oh, this is great content or great quality or, you know, they don't have, like, the best stuff. So, like, how could you go from being, like, okay, substantial to, you know, like, kind of middle of the road, middle of the pack, like, okay, they're an okay streaming service or whatever, like, to, like, all of a sudden, like, they're going to be as big as Fox.
0: I know. That's why I, I'm shocked by it. But, um, like, if they're seeing enough engagement now with, with the stuff that they have, and a lot of it is, like, the from what I've seen, quickly was was the free stuff that you also see on Pluto and Amazon Prime and so on if they're not exclusive but they're seeing that whatever advertising or engagement they're getting from it and viewership and downloads that's growing so much that they could see it even being more successful in the Fox network there's really something there and once you sort of get to a certain level you could start spending money and you could start bringing in rights and sort of like having things snowball and grow even more.
1: Thing is with like Tubi and stuff, and do you need TV? I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, do you need to be? I don't know. Like, it's not that you need TV because obviously streaming services are separate and stuff. But how do you get from being like okay, streaming service to like all of a sudden being like Netflix level? When I don't know if you have anything proven or anything as far as content. Like, what do they own? Were they not own? How do they kind of get that big? How do they reach Fox? How do they even reach Netflix?
0: yeah i think um you know the fact that they've they've gotten there is really impressive and some of these other networks as well i think you sort of like you can't come from nothing as we saw one of those um, streaming platforms raise so much money and they crashed and burned and they didn't get anywhere but like you sort of have this content built in and, and initially it's a way to maximize that content whether you're a movie studio your network your series of of cable systems and you've already owned certain things and you can distribute it how you want. Once you have that sort of foothold, then you can grow from there. You can sort of um, bid on other things or or create more partnerships. Um, We see something like Peacock, it's emerging from what NBC owns or Universal owns or has relationships with, and they're already starting to put um, a fair amount of WWE content on there, a little bit that might appeal to somebody.
1: So kind of, with that, it's like, what do they own? Or do we even know? Like, what what's their library? You know, Netflix was was acquiring stuff, and do we know if Two is acquiring stuff or what they're acquiring?
0: Um, I don't know if they've been, you know, that aggressive yet in what they're acquiring. You know, from from what I've seen, it was kind of like, um, you know, the the older stuff that's good. You see it in a lot of places, and I'm looking at some of their like some of their new movies, like Empire State with The Rock, um, which he seems a little stiff in that movie. Um, it was also on, um, you know, on the other platforms as well. So, so I'm not sure, but for whatever, like sometimes it's it's just the amount of engagement. It's people have the internet, it's easy to download. They recognize some of the names and they just continue to use it and stay there.
1: The thing is, So, like, you become, you know, Tubi, you start acquiring stuff. Does that mean that you're spending a ton of money to acquire this? Or, you know what I mean? Like, how do they go from where they're at now to to be a giant, but spend a certain amount of money where you're not going in the red and killing yourself either?
0: Right. So it would actually be sort of – it would be a specific plan to do that because the Variety article was really informative in that when these platforms started – Pluto and Tubi and so on, they would offer content distributors, um, like, um, sort of like a percentage, right? Like we, we can't give you anything up front, but you get this amount of ads and they'd be like, you know, you might not put your best stuff up there at first, but if you see that it's working and it seems to be working, then you invest more in it. And then, you know, if these content providers, they now have a foothold, then they could say to the next step, okay, we're doing well with that, but we can only attract a certain amount of people. Let's um, start bidding for the prime properties, things that people want to watch immediately. Or, you know, if we have the ability to stream it live, depending on the platform, that might be something that would keep people engaged in what we're, what we're doing. As far as some other things that are going on,
1: Christine Lubrano, WB's new senior VP of creative writing services with her, That announcement, it was like, wait a second, she had the head of creative. She's taking over from Bruce Pritchard. She's obviously kind of a big deal that she's been in, in and around the business for a long time. Worked for IFC for 18 years. She was part of Bravo for four years. What is going on here? What is that position technically? I know creative services is different than WB creative and booking. So is she a writer for television? I mean, what is the deal and what's her job?
0: Right. So that's a good question. It's not exactly clear yet, but the, the way that I imagine it is that with the new executives under Vince, that it's being more like more of a formalized process. Like for a number of years, it was sort of like you bring in writers from Hollywood. Oh, you wrote for a soap opera for a year. It didn't go well. Come on over. Um, you're legitimate. Um, but he, and instead of having like, you know, I'm sure Stephanie isn't losing any power, but instead of Stephanie sort of like overseeing the writers and sort of like the operational flow of their work and structures and planning um, that you have somebody like Christine, who has been with IFC as a senior vice president moving her way up, but had been with the company for 18 years um, and in the field more than 20 years that, you know, she just understands how things are produced in Hollywood or, or for television and can apply those corporate structures and controls that makes it something where it's harder to like rip up a script the day of, and everything is more planned and, you know, it it comes out better baked and and more professional taking the stress off, like, like a Pritchard who doesn't have to do, you know, running around and, and do all these things, let people sort of specialize in their role and know who they're reporting to more.
1: With this position, the creative writing services. I know creative services was different. It was like, hey, we're creating this Undertaker character, make a drawing of what it might look like. And creative services kind of puts everything together and gives Vince the final product. And he's like, yes, this is my vision. Let's go with it. Like, It's not necessarily Pat Patterson booking the show. It, it's kind of like the, the whole creative bowl into one, rolled into the characters. That is kind of the crux of creative services. Is she going to be booking at, at all? Or is she going to be helping Vince with ideas and throwing stuff at him?
0: So I'd imagine that it would be more just like the operations element in terms of like, you don't decide the creative part, but you can sort of like help with the, the structures. When I look up um, uh, operations at WWE, there's a somebody named Ben Meyer who has murdered the company for eight years. And um, for the last, Year, he's been the senior director of operations creative writing. Um, So, you know, he would report to her, I'd assume. Um, So, you you know, you have these sort of structures in place uh, of people to provide the support. Um, Like operations, like let's say creative writing, I'd imagine you're like, hey, you know, we want to bring in the Zamboni beer truck or, and whatever, like you can't think of that an hour before you need somebody in operations to have a plan. So it might be logistical elements, but also like storyline structures and peaks and making sure you have the right talent, right? We've heard about the home and away team, or maybe there's, you know, there's writers for all the different shows and there's an India show now. So, you know, having all those things flow together.
1: I just wonder Call me crazy here. Call me maybe uh, skeptical. You think that they hire some people, you know, let's just say creative fails or they're doing worse off, and then they fire them. Is it possible she may be being hired as a scapegoat?
0: In this situation, I sort of see it as like a rebranding when they... Uh, brought in um, the executives from sort of outside when they let go of, of George Barryson, and Michelle Wilson and brought in those people. I think they very much want to succeed. Um, and it's not sort of like um, sort of like playing, <laughs> playing a game of like who did what with like um, the investors and so on, but more like let's, okay, if you say you're an entertainment company, this is how an entertainment company is structured. Let's build out these things and let's let's be more professional.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing. I feel like maybe she could add a little bit of a different flavor, a different perspective. Maybe they're doing things, quote-unquote, the wrestling way, and they need to do stuff more the, quote-unquote, TV or television way.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, years ago, obviously, like, they did really well with – with uh, the writers, you know, being a small team and they go over to Vince's pool and he'd make them sit there for six hours and then eventually they'd be able to go home, but they had a story uh, and, you know, that was the attitude error and it worked really well. So like, maybe that's the best way, but if you're going to do it this way, you have to have a structure and a plan. And, and this seems to make sense to me, at least what we know from, from the outside.
1: So that's just one of those things. Interesting, you know what I mean? Like Bischoff gets brought in, scapegoat gone. Heyman brought in, scapegoats obviously still there on the on the on-screen-wise, but booking-wise, gone. Bruce Pritchard, and maybe he might be working his way out. Christine, work her way in. She may work her way out. We'll see kind of what happens, and kind of we'll, we'll obviously in the weeks to come find out more of what she's doing in that role. But it's one of those things to definitely keep an eye on. Whenever they hire somebody to creative, especially creative, I always want to keep my eye on
0: that. Yeah, um, just to see the, the constant shakeup, but hopefully for them, they'll sort of like solidify these these positions and have a plan and not be so reactionary in terms of if the rating is down a little bit or, or up a little bit, that you have to have like a, a long-term vision if you want to keep this going for forever or for a long time.
1: So... There is also some speculation out there with what U.S. networks would consider pro wrestling. New Japan has just said that they are working on a deal with the U.S. and the U.K. MLW is talking about how they're going to be on a top-tier network, and they're going to have some new things to talk about as far as U.S. television. What is some of the speculation, what U.S. networks want to carry professional wrestling?
0: Yes, so this was sort of my list. Somebody – actually, I don't think he was challenging me – had a good question sort of like what uh court had said he had been sort of in conversations with two uh tier one networks which is sort of hard to define but it made me go and look and you know there have been all these lists of like what were the top 150 watched channels or what other networks was i aware of and sort of like looked at it with um broad eye of like who might consider wrestling. As soon as I posted the list, Court was like, there's other tier one networks. (laughs) So so he's been talking to others. So from from what I gather from his response that my list doesn't include who he's talking to. And interestingly with New Japan, um, somebody else I was talking to in the business that doesn't work for them or or their affiliates, um, his suggestion was that it might be US television, but maybe more defined as a streaming service. And uh, I don't want to put out there what, service he recommended sort of like to make it more than it is but his suggestion made a lot of sense but um in terms of networks that might consider pro wrestling so tier, you know it's hard to define like what's t- we know sort of like what's the lowest tier we know what's the top but like what's what's tier one so i kind of looked at like the top 40 networks which is cable and regular television so one people don't often talk about is univision um, the Spanish language network, which is actually has a really strong viewership generally and has grown a lot as a media brand. Um, and, um, you know, sports is sort of always on their radar. Um, and I think they've had boxing and soccer programming. So that's sort of like a sleeping giant that um, wrestling has sort of toyed with. And um, Spanish language networks before, and there's been some distribution from Mexico, for example, but there hasn't really been um, a foothold of a top promotion that's utilized uh, a brand like Univision for wrestling. I also included Paramount, the former Spike TV, because it's something that they've always flirted with. So those would be my tier ones. Premium networks, Showtime, I think they're always a brand that could benefit from. Uh, a pro wrestling brand with buzz. I don't think they could build up a promotion as their distribution uh, shrinks, but certainly fans like let's say of a New Japan or possibly of an MLW or something buzzworthy, they would be attracted to possibly subscribe. I know that, or it had been reported at least that Showtime was sort of the secondary bidder for AEW when uh, TNT won out and stars. Um, they have uh, heels. I don't think it's debuted yet, but um, that's going to be the guy from Green Arrow that's always on wrestling, um, will be the star of the show. So um, to have it be sort of uh, complimentary programming would make sense. The other networks that um, that might consider wrestling, I would say they are closer to a tier three or a tier four, and many of them won't surprise because they've sort of flirted with some wrestling content before. Uh, actually, I mean, a Viceland, you probably have it as a tier two and WGN America as well, but um, CBS Sports Network has really never gotten going as a sports network. Why they didn't pick up a company like Impact actually surprised me. Of course, POP did much better when it had wrestling. There's no indications that they would pick up wrestling. And then there's the, the lower level networks that have had wrestling before. We know about Pursuit and their challenges with Impact Wrestling and uh, Mav TV, which is more of a, a racing network. They've had um, um, sort of lower level pro wrestling at times, but they're fairly well distributed.
1: As far as like New Japan and let's just say MLW, but I'd rather kind of almost focus on New Japan. I know you were saying Showtime would be great. For new japan to kind of land on there do you think that they would ever tease that they were part of a us and uk thing without actually having it because they threw it out there doing the big tokyo dome shows but we haven't really heard much since so they would you don't think they would because they seem like they would never kind of tease something that they don't have
0: yeah it, it wouldn't seem smart i don't you know, I don't know, because like the ownership now, I mean, it's always been, you know, uh, Japanese centric, but Harold May, you know, understood US markets and European markets and sort of, you know, the not sort of not putting something out there that you might not deliver on um, in Japan, they seem to be fairly conservative about doing something like that as well. But it just wouldn't seem prudent, like sort of, as Dave Melter is reporting that they were very close to a deal. So maybe they were excited to share that. But, you know, having done some or a media deal before that was obviously of a lower, a uh, much lower profile. It just took forever to go from the lawyers back and forth. So maybe they thought they were really close and they were ready to announce it soon, but hopefully um, they come across with something like that. Cause you don't want to tease something like that and then not deliver.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of new Japan, what's going on in Eurosport in India with them? Are they uh, in, have they always been in what's up with that?
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, it's a little confusing to me because from from what I understand, Discovery owned Eurosport, which I'm not sure if they acquired that brand name or they've always had it, um, but... Um, they used to be called D-Sport, and D-Sport has hosted a lot of pro wrestling before, not only New Japan, which I thought aired up to this time, but they've had uh, Ring of Honor and, um, and other wrestling leagues as well. I think um, when there was World of Sport Revival, I think it was on D-Sport as well. So whether it's just a rebranding or it's returning in a higher profile is still a little bit confusing to me.
1: All right, here is a question on TV distribution. Kind of a few questions rolled into one here, but this is great. I have a question, and the answer is not likely, public, or maybe Lavi knows. But these promotions like OVW or Championship Wrestling for Hollywood that are on, um, I guess it's YouTube, and then it says in America, and obstinately available in millions of homes, do they get paid? YTA? If not, what is their revenue stream? So YouTube... As, like, I guess OVW and Championship Pressing in Hollywood is on YouTube, but they are on other TV stations as well. So, how do they get paid and what's their revenue stream?
0: Sorry, so it's a little bit confusing, and uh, and we should blame U2 America for their brand because it does sound like YouTube, and they did. Yeah. They did yeah, exactly. was yeah. YouTube. So, U2 America or YTA is a. Um, It's a network that's mostly distributed over digital tiers, um, the DigiNets, or on, um, you know, smaller uh, broadcast uh, affiliates or networks. So, for example, um, if you have a... um, uh, a low power television station or, or class a television station that's digital now and you're looking for content, you might reach out to you to America and they'll program your whole station for you. Or maybe you'll pay them for six or 12 hours out of the day to have their programming. And what comes along with that is um, wrestling um, it, U2 America bought um, America one, which has had pro wrestling on forever. Like going back as far as USWA, um, Bill Barron had had talked about how he had sort of like tagged it along with his programming. When he was a television distributor, he'd say, Oh, and you want to take our wrestling programming as well. And they had um, uh, ECW and then of course his wild side. And for years and years, they've had pro wrestling. So uh, Being on a network that's distributed, um, according to the Screen Actors Guild, in six million homes, its strongest distribution, as far as I know, would be in New York because um, it's on WVVH, which is in Long Island, but far out in the Hamptons, um, which is actually considered the Connecticut market. A little bit confusing on that. But it's picked up by um, Verizon. Uh, Fios, which is one of the larger cable stations here. So if you get Fios, you get um, WVVH, which comes along with U2 America content. So all of that to say that, um, do they get paid by a company like YTA? I haven't seen any contracts, so this would be pure speculation, but my guess would be no. And based upon that, no, how does anyone, how do they make money? So usually you're given some hours that are your, not hours, some uh, seconds that are your own to use. So, you know, something like uh, two 30 second spots that run during the hour. And then you can do that with that, what you will. Sometimes a a wrestling promotion can sell that on their own, sort of like as a, a national buy, or it might be harder for them to do that. Like, Um, as you imagine those ECW tapes, right? Like the night they dance atop the arena, right? Like that might lead to more money for you if people buy those um, tapes at the time or now DVDs or t-shirts than selling an ad for a low rate. The challenge is that you can't really meter these times in a lot of the markets. So you don't know how many people are watching. What often happens with um, networks like this, where the rating is likely low and you don't know how people are watching is you have direct response advertising so like infomercial type advertising commercials and when people call the line they have some way of of distinguishing what program you called or um, what show you saw it on and then they're supposed to give you credit and then you get some money back for that so being on sort of like getting a a bigger imprint on smaller stations like this. Normally you're not making much of anything on advertising. It's more the exposure brother. Um, but sometimes you can come up with some unique ways to, to market your own products, which seems if it's appealing, which seems like the best way to go or make a small amount of advertising, selling it directly or, um, to a direct response company.
1: And then he said, if they get commercial time or barter, how is a little promotion like that selling to advertisers in various markets like Wichita Falls or Dolphin, Alabama?
0: Right. So it's not, a, you know, if you're, let's say, distributed on 30 DigiNets, um, you probably don't have the time to then start like saying like, OK, which is the uh, the best barbershop in Wichita Falls? Maybe they want to advertise. You're probably seeking you know, a national advertiser, maybe something like um, a pro wrestling t-shirt company or something like that, where you think it would appeal, or you're looking up who is a direct response media advertiser and trying to make a little bit of money that way. Normally people are just happy to get their product up there and they're sort of concentrating on other things and they're using it more to say like, hey, you know, we're a bigger promotion than you think because we're on um, these various networks.
1: Well said. And uh, a little bit of a tongue twister, just confusion there. You 2 America, not YouTube, you U2 America, uh, YTA. You're right.
0: Yeah, their idea at first was like um, user-generated content where like people would make their own videos and then they would show it on TV. As you could imagine, uh, <laughs> it probably wasn't that appealing. And then they started having to program it more, but they might still be doing that. And I love um, America One's old tagline, which they had purchased, the one America's watching.
1: <laughs> yes. And as far as any other stories... What else did you want to cover this week? I think we covered all the topics that we wanted to
0: cover, right? Yeah, we're we're good to go. We're golden. So you know, yeah. we're, we're maximizing the listeners' time. Not only did we have a very special guest, our first guest, but we covered the main stories of the week that were undercovered.
1: Awesome. Love it. Loved having Matt on, especially how timely it is. He literally, they just bought OVW. So getting him on, was very, very cool. And hearing what he wants to do with them is very cool. Now for some plugs, check me out on Instagram and Twitter at two man power trip. Check out my website, tmptempire.com. Lavi,
0: what do you got? So uh, my book, Trump mania, we thought the mania was over, but you know, if you're following the news, it wasn't. And, um, you know, look it up. Linda McMahon uh, helped to uh, fund um, some of the uh, the protests and and so on that, that went on in Washington during the electoral certification. That's not in the book. But if you want to learn about the story of how we led up to here, check out Trump mania, Vince McMahon, WWE and the making of America's 45th president on all Amazon platforms platforms, but certainly for those with no interest in politics or want to focus on something else right now, um, follow me on Twitter, Marg, L-A-V-I-E, M-A-R-G. And um, we're always talking about the topics from the podcast on Twitter, sharing ideas and news, and often workshopping the ideas. So you can get ahead of things a little bit by following my Twitter. You'll You'll see some of the bigger stories, and then we talk about them more when we jump on the podcast
1: now lobby i know we're talking about linda possibly funding those protests and those rallies in dc last week we saw jericho giving trump a ton of money under chris jericho under his real name chris irvine so that's an interesting thing. what do we got on tap for next week will we talk about any of
0: that i think we'll stay away from that that mostly um i think people should go check out trump maybe maybe we'll we'll have to talk about it (laughs) should we keep it going but Mm -hmm. um yes but, um, you know, there's always something breaking, right? We thought we had our stories. And then uh, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, they start posting on LinkedIn and sharing a press release this morning. And then we had a, a main topic for the week. So who knows what's ahead? And we'd love to have your questions as well. Those, those are always much appreciated. And as much as we can, we'll we'll try to answer them on air.
1: Love it. Lavi, great to do this show with you every week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for the questions. Thank you to Matt Jones, and thank you, everyone out there listening to us each and every week. We will see you right back here next week on the Business of the Business. See you next week, folks.